This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan. I'm joined today by David and Brady. We've got a pretty fun show for you today. We've got a little bit of basketball news with the Sunbelt All-Conference teams being announced. Then we're going to touch on a little bit of football and spring sports stuff as well. But first, let's get to these All-Conference teams. Two Panthers picked for the teams. Corey Allen is All-Sunbelt second team honoree. Elioso Seme was named to the All-Sunbelt third team, which is the first All-Conference honors for both at Georgia State. So all Sunbelt first team is as follows. Devontae Jones, Coastal Carolina. Michael Flowers, South Alabama. Mason Harrell, Texas State. Cedric Russell, Louisiana. Norchad Omier, Arkansas State. Big ticket items. Player of the year. Coastal Carolina's Devontae Jones. Defensive player of the year. Louisiana's Theo Akuba. Freshman of the year. Arkansas State's Norchad Omier. Newcomer of the year, South Alabama's Michael Flowers. Coach of the year, the newly minted full-time coach of Texas State, Terrence Johnson. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts about these all-conference teams? So, the the big ones, I can't really dispute any of them. I think I'd probably say Flowers was player of the year for me, but also he could be newcomer of the year and Devontae Jones couldn't. So, maybe this is a way that they voters, the coaches decided to give multiple guys awards and so you know fair enough whatever Devontae Jones also had a good year um so this was the year that because the west and the east did not face each other they waited until after the conference to the conference tournament to do the voting and to announce it obviously uh they announced it today and I am glad that it's a one-year endeavor for obvious reasons, and it makes sense why they did it to a degree, although I'm not sure how well the logic holds up. And, I mean, I got to say, this is just going to sound like sour grapes given Georgia State just lost to Appalachian State, but uh, I'm not convinced that if they had done this like normal, that there would be Delph and Almonese and Forrest honored the way they were. And it left guys like Justin Roberts, who maybe deserved second or third team, um, took away that spot and it feels like a little bit the results of the tournament given that App State went to the tournament just overshadowed oversaturated the thinking of all the coaches and so I feel like that's the one thing you can say is that it just seems like I don't know I, they're obviously all good I said when we were previewing App State I like those three guys and they played great in the week it just seems like I'm not buying that that's what would have happened if the votes had come in before. Yeah, I definitely agree with that thought. Um, And, you know, just kind of looking at the uh, I think Georgia State is kind of fortunate because of all of the bigger awards, um, they Georgia State actually was fortunate enough to play um, everybody except for Texas State. You know, so we personally didn't get to see Terrence Johnson. Um, I don't know that anybody else in the Sun Belt could have won Coach of the Year, obviously, but at least we got to put eyes on a you know Devonte Jones against Coastal, and you know Georgia State played Louisiana and Arkansas State, but the divisions kind of didn't really make sense because a lot of teams didn't end up seeing teams from the other division, you know? So you didn't, I just don't understand what the, you know, one game or two games against teams that, you know, you haven't played would really do to solidify that 
definitively, yes, this is who I'm going to vote for. You know, it probably should have just been voted on before the tournament. Um, and I like what you said about Devonte Jones and, you know, Michael flowers as like the player of the year and newcomer of the year. Um, if I was flowers, I'd probably still be a little upset because Jones had an incredible year. I don't want to take anything away from Devonte Jones. Um, he was exactly the reason why coastal Carolina was, you know, second in the Sunbelt East this year. But flowers was just that much better. You know, I mean, that guy was electric all year. Um, you know, South Alabama lost in the first round in the tournament um, and because Flowers didn't necessarily have the best game. But, you know, down the stretch, Flowers was just lighting it up, you know, in every game that South Alabama played. So I would definitely be a little upset if I were him. But I mean, he made first team all Sunbelt. So, you know, it's not like they didn't recognize the talent and obviously newcomer of the year as well. <laughs> yeah, I I just I, the other thing is with the I we're we're honing in on this important aspect of all of this but I guess was the thinking that if a team got eliminated from the tournament that somehow the coach would be like all right well time to tune into all these games right now like instead of like maybe they watched earlier in the year because they might match or you know they had the film available to watch of a team in the other division and have that ready to go in case they needed to play in the tournament seems I don't tenuous logic there uh I think that the other person who maybe possibly for Georgia State, well, there's two. I think Kane Williams also could have garnered honors and he did not. Um, I think that uh, Corey definitely deserving was the team's leading scorer, was hot from three for most of the year. uh, And Kane and Justin, I think both had a chance for the same lane. I don't think both of them could have made it, but maybe one of them. And then Jalen's the one who really played his way into the conversation. I think it might've been too little too late, especially if the tournament was the only time that some in the West saw him. There were some good games, but you didn't necessarily see him peaking like he did maybe right before the tournament. And so that's fair enough. But I will say, I mean, we all believe that, as Jalen continues to grow, he could be that guy. And I would be surprised if he isn't on one of the three teams next year. I'm just going to lay that out there right now, way too early. I think he'll make all conference next year. And that's not, you know, that's not even, I I don't even want to put that as a prediction early because I mean, that's just a fact. If you get the, you know, uh, the South Alabama and the Georgia Southern version of Jalen Thomas, I mean, we're talking about we're potentially talking about a basketball player who is the only question is, all right, is he going to be first team all Sunbelt or second team? Because somebody else just happens to be better. You know, uh, Jalen Thomas during that stretch where he was on, where he was increasing his career high in points every single week that, I mean, that's a phenomenal college basketball player. And, you know, we have had some offline musings about what the Georgia state offense next year, you know, could kind of look like. And I think you're absolutely right that he could be the focal point. So it really would not surprise me to see him being on one of these lists when, you know, when we're sitting here talking about this a year from now. And don't forget, he's a three point shooter. Now that too, I mean, he, he hit the one in the championship game. And so obviously that's just, he hit one, but, given where his game has developed on the inside and where he's been at the defensive end, if he is at least a reliable, like 30 plus three point. I mean, I don't know how you defend that. I I really don't. 
but obviously that is a wait and see type thing. And I, I think the real reason why he didn't make it is because the front court group in the Sun Belt this year was really good. I mean, Omir, is a, I, I can't believe that guy's a freshman. Really, really scared as someone who's going to, you know, George State's going to have to keep playing that guy for at least a couple more years. And he's been really good. There's, I can't remember what stat it was, but I think it was points and rebounds. And there's like a list of like five guys that had done what he did as a freshman. And I think all of them got drafted in the first round of the NBA. So uh, he's obviously very warranting of his place in the first team. Akuba defensive player of the year, also very warranting. And then, you know, he got blocked out by his own guy, LEL, who also had a great year. So I think that he maybe had a case, but I think his problem was just that a lot of guys had a case. It was a lot of good bigs in the Sun Belt this year. And Mustafa, who, whenever I saw him play, looked like, you know, a real force inside for Coastal. I'm sure that they could say he probably deserved a spot on the third team as well. And also there wasn't room for him either. So, and that's another freshman that uh, is going to be growing and growing in the Sun Belt and that Georgia State's going to have to deal with. So I guess maybe we're seeing the uh, renaissance of the front courts in the Sun Belt. Yeah, you know, we we very well might be. And, you know, I think I thought that Jalen would sneak in just because all season, even when he wasn't, you know, the ridiculous uh, offensive threat that he kind of developed into, I thought that he would just get in on third team because of the blocks, you know, consistently, you know, doing everything that Coach Lanier wanted him to do in regards to rim protection and affecting shots. Um and I, I really thought that that would be enough to sneak him in on third team. But I think looking at the list, you're kind of right. There's just a ton of other guys who are probably a little better than him. Um, if you can even use that word. And, you know, it just, it makes sense that uh, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbled. But I definitely do think next year, you know, with all, even with everybody else being good, you know, we're going to see Jalen on one of these lists. We definitely are. All right, so moving on to football, spring practice has begun. Uh, Panthers are off next week due to spring break, back again on March 22nd. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts about spring practice so far? So they always mandate the first eye, two or three practices. Uh, can't be full out, full equipment, everything. So I think just shoulder pads and helmets. Uh, so... You know, even if we had any specific things that we personally would have seen, I feel like even the coaching staff still this week hasn't really seen the full spring as it is. Uh, but I'm sure it's great for them to be back out. Uh, they have next week off and then the week of March 22nd, they're back again. And then the spring game, obviously building up towards middle of April. It still sounds like a lot of let's let these guys at quarterback compete. And I think we all obviously liked what quad did and still I'm penciling him as the starter still, but it sounds like the word of the spring is going to be competition, even with those guys. And so I like that you're going to have quad feeling the two guys right behind him who both want to start uh, because I, we've had the situation where Georgia State has had the year two bought quarterbacks, but that's even been in situations where, you know, no one was going to be taking Dan's job. No one was going to take Nick Arbuckle's job that second year. So if those guys got that bump without that 
competitive nature building right under them that directly from people they can see competing with them. Ready to see what the bump can be in addition to that when quad does have that and does have the, you know, if I have a bad day in practice and other guy's a good one, what are the coaches going to think and what's going to happen there? Yeah. You know, and quad himself mentioned in some uh, little spot that Georgia state sports put out that, you know, they in practice are competing as much as they were, you know, I believe it was after the app state game last year, uh, you know, coach mentioned how they switched up the practice style for Georgia state and they went, you know, ones on ones is I think the term that he used where, you know, your starters for offense and your starters for defense go at it right at the end of practice. Um, and, you know, we saw that Georgia State's play definitely improved. And, you know, just the way I think the thing that encourages me um, is just the way that the football players seem to be responding to those things and the way that, you know, they seem to be uh looking forward to that competition. You know, you never want it to be a guy thinks that, Oh, I'm just the best quarterback here. And, you know, doesn't, you know, want the competition. No, it genuinely seems like quad wants to get better and he wants to be a better version of the good things that he did in the 2020 season, you know, and that's just going to help propel the program to even higher heights. Um, you know, I, I, I can't speak for you or anybody else here, you know, but when I was on campus, you know, I don't want to say many years ago, but years ago, you know, and you see and interact with football players, it didn't really seem like they thought that they could be Sunbelt champions. And so to hear directly from football players year after year, the goal is to be the Sunbelt East champion and go to the Sunbelt title game. The goal is we want to be Sunbelt champions. We want to win the Sunbelt. I, you know, I can't speak for you, but that's just so refreshing for me to hear because you know, this, they don't, they're not satisfied with the six and four season. You know, they're not going to be satisfied if you add the two games that we thought that they would win last year. You know, they want to be the best team in the Sun Belt. They want to go win the Sun Belt title. And it's just, you know, the more that they talk about that, the more that they prepare like that, you know, it's probably going to happen one of these years. Yeah. Coach Elliott talked about that uh, specifically that, you know, every team every year is like, yeah our goal is to win a conference championship. But he was like, this year, we really think we've got the horses to do it. And we're ready for that next step to come. And so with all that they have coming back, it was interesting. Another thing that he had said in the previous time was that going to be a spring where they had a lot of depth. And so they were going to be able to play a lot of the younger guys rather than having to field everyone who starts just so they can have 22 on the field at all time. And so I think what I'm looking for as this spring goes on is by the time of the spring game, we don't know what position it'll be. Uh, a couple obvious spots that are open, like where Jordan Strawn's position has been left and, you know, maybe that third really re- third receiver spot, but there's going to be someone because there always is who flashes during the spring. And by the time the spring game comes around, it's going to be playing a lot of reps and we're going to be watching that game and being like, Oh, there's that person. And it might be one of the transfers who came in. Uh, I'm sure that they are, the coaches are excited to see what those guys have, but someone is going to do that. Someone's going to flash, whether, you know, it's Taryn Dick, Terrence Dixon in the spring before 2019. And there's always a guy like that. And especially since there's going to be more opportunities for that this year, uh, very excited to see who that person is. You know, I wanted to ask because coach mentioned uh, and, you know, just kind of with our count, there are 20 of 22 starters returning next year. Do you think that that's going to be 
better for Georgia State? Not necessarily in an experience sense, but do you think that there will still be as big and as deep a competition in you know certain spots like we're predicting? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that Coach Elliott would be the first to say if someone's a starter, but they're not winning in practice or winning on the field, they you know their spot isn't guaranteed. I'd say probably injuries aside, the offensive line, because it's a unit and it's just basically based on chemistry more than anything else. I'd be surprised if any of those change. And obviously the, you know, Cornelius and Sam are going to be the wide receivers. Destin's going to be the running back. You know, there's a lot of guys where you can pretty much write in Sharpie that they're going to be the starter, but I don't think that, I think that, Having the starters is a nice thing to say, you know, we've got all this experience, but if you have another guy who's doing well in practice and wins the spot, then guess what? You have a former starter who's now coming off as a reserve and that's a lot better than, you know, a guy who doesn't have experience being that. Oh, what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that there's spots that are set. And I think that anyone is, This is what the spring is for with the young guys is for them to go out and make the coaches ask questions of the depth chart they have and say, I think we might have to find a spot on the field for that guy. So let's go ahead and move into a little bit of a spring sports roundup. Baseball uh, had a tough trip to Tennessee. They ended up being swept by the volunteers, followed by a 5-1 loss to number two Florida on Tuesday. Their record drops to four and ten. Uh, The grind continues for the Panthers, though. They head to Lexington for three at Kentucky this weekend and turn around and grab a quick game at Clemson before conference play starts next weekend against ULM. Now, they're four and ten, but that four and ten, mind you, is against all ranked teams. Uh, Number 14, West Virginia. Number seven, Georgia. Number two, Vandy. Number 10, Georgia Tech. Number 17, Tennessee. And number two, Florida. So uh, I'll take four and ten. But uh, gentlemen, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was going to wait until the end of this whole streak to actually kind of put Georgia's ultimate record in, you know, quote unquote, this conference of power conference teams they're playing and compare it to an actual like SEC standings and just see winning percentage wise where it stacks up. Because I think especially if they can steal a couple more of these games and it's somewhere more approaching higher 30s winning percentage or I guess it's technically there now, but um, I, I'm not necessarily worried about it. I, I think that all the good you get from playing these teams now and continuing to challenge yourself ahead of Sunbelt, uh, which is no cakewalk, but certainly should be less hard than playing ranked teams every, every weekend. Um, that will help them. And, you know, it, it comes down to Georgia State is not going to get a at large, so to speak, for the College World Series as a Sunbelt team if, the, if they aren't playing a good schedule. It's possible they could get that if they're playing these type of teams and winning all of them, but they're not going to get that just by scheduling a bunch of easy opponents and racking up a bunch of wins. It just doesn't work that way. And so conference play is going to be what's important for them anyway. And so get prepped for that by continuing to play this hard schedule. I think that momentum-wise and just because winning is fun. I think they're going to want to stem this tide of not another week where they lose all four games get at least two in the bag, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I'm all for this. It, it It's a weird year, but it's a good year to get a lot of these young guys on the roster, this experience and next year's schedule probably will be more normal, but who knows, maybe they're going to like this and they're going to follow this model continuing on. 
Absolutely. And, you know, even if the Sunbelt schedule for Georgia State doesn't go that great, there is something intangible about playing these games that we as, you know, observers will never know. There are guys who, you know, they could prepare all of next offseason remembering how grueling it was to play this all ranked schedule you know and do different things that they otherwise wouldn't be and hit up guys that they you know shared the diamond with and you know learn some different things and so you know what I'm trying to say is next year it could be the year that we start to see the benefits of this it doesn't it doesn't matter if they do well in conference play or not you know it's just if they learn something from playing this hard schedule we could see you know the we could reap those seeds next year and it could be you know a completely different season than it otherwise would be had they not played you know so many ranked opponents this early in the year and i the other part of that is that uh, elian marejo is a senior and a six-year senior at that so he is going to be done after this year but it's such a young team there's a lot of guys especially with the extra you know all the people who were freshmen last year still classed as freshmen and so all these people who are on this roster right now are getting this experience and you're going to have them for guaranteed at least two more seasons after this one for the freshmen, just because that's the way baseball works in college. Uh, Once you decide to go to a four year university, you have to be there at least three years. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's not just like, Oh, challenging this really experienced senior led team because we think they can handle it. And then they'll be ready for the sun belt. Like David's right. This year, it was going to be a test anyway, just because it is a young roster. So you might as well fully build them up that way. And then next year and the year after, you can really, really see where this team can be because there's a lot of potential on this roster. And last but certainly not least, softball having a good season so far, 10 and 8 overall, most recently falling 1 0 at number 18 UGA. Next games are a doubleheader versus UT Chattanooga. Sunbelt play opens Tuesday, March 16th which will begin a six-game homestand across a calendar week, three against Texas State on Tuesday and Wednesday, and three against Troy next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But that's all the time we have this week for you. Uh, Stay safe, and we will see you next week for another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Thanks as always. See ya. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.